The podcast is supported by Premier Knitting Club, a registered New Zealand charity and virtual tribe of knitters providing knitted items and fundraising for neonatal intensive care units in New Zealand. I'm Courtney, I was a Premier myself and I run Premier Knitting Club. When we donate knitting to the NICU, families are given knits for them and their baby to treasure forever and keep. And we always need knitters to help us. If you have family members or friends who are knitters and want to help, you can find Premier Knitting Club New Zealand on Instagram or Facebook. We've also included the website in the show notes. We love that NICU Mum podcast and are proud to support it. Hi everyone, welcome to That NICU Mum, a podcast where we share the stories of parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. Um, Today we are speaking with Emma, whose boy Remy um, was an egg donor baby. So they used a donor egg to conceive him. Um, He was born at 34 weeks and five days after Emma had PPROM, which is, I always get this muddled, Preterm premature rupture of rupture of membranes, or is it preterm premature preterm preterm premature? You get the drift. <laughs> Water's broke <laughs> at thirty-four weeks, um, and basically Remy was just a feeder and a grower, but they had some issues with that. So, yeah, I'll let her <laughs> tell her story. She probably knows the words better than I do. <laughs> yeah, let's. Let's just get into it. What what a day, honestly. <laughs> Do you want to start off just introducing yourself and kind of introducing your story? Sure. So um, my name's Emma and um, I live with my partner, Rowan, and our little boy, Remy, and our cat, Stevie, who's a big part of our family. Um, and Remy was actually created using an egg donor. So right. Um, we tried for many years to um, have a baby naturally. We tried um, a couple of years with clomiphene. Um, and then when I was around 38, we decided that we would dig a bit deeper. And we did a couple of rounds of IVF, um, good egg numbers, but only resulting in one embryo each time. So after the second round, they suggested that we use an egg donor and a friend of ours had actually put her hand up and said that she would do it for us. Oh, cool. (laughs) So we started that process and she did two rounds for us and we got three embryos from her and they all the transfers failed. Oh, no. So, um, yeah, so that was quite hard. And at this stage, I was, yeah over 30 and then our next step was to go to a clinic in San Diego an egg donor clinic there um and so um which was really interesting we started that was about a a year-long process that that took us um and it's a bit like tinder where you go and you see all these profiles of these girls but most of them are young and they're using the money for um because they get paid quite well in the states yeah. So you get all their history, you know, how many egg retrievals they've done, how many successful pregnancies, and you even like get their grandparents' medical history, you get everything. So we sort of narrowed it down um, to two. And then um, COVID happened. Oh, God. <laughs> so that was about, yeah, February 2020. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was quite tricky because that whole like, concept was off the table. Yeah. And um, yeah, so during lockdown, I did a bit of research. The clinic that we had used here in Christchurch, um, we went private and they shut their doors because they weren't able to carry on. They couldn't get any funding from the government. So we had to yeah. jump ship and go to Fertility Associates. Yeah. And while I was um, while in lockdown, I found out about this new procedure that had just become available in New Zealand probably um, about 12 months prior to to all that happening and it was called a um, an endometrial receptive analysis test which you do a dummy run of it like as if you were doing an embryo transfer right and then on the day that you would do the transfer they actually take a biopsy of your lining and it gets sent to japan and so we did that and ours came back that we we got the timing wrong right um so when we transferred um remy we um 
knew that we had to delay that. So we got on um, the New Zealand egg donor list, which was mm -hmm. complete opposite to the American one. And um, we had to wait to be chosen. Yeah. <laughs> so more waiting, more waiting. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you're just kind of going about your day and your life. And then um, we got a call in, I think it was February 2021, that um, we had been chosen by a, a really young girl. She was only like 22. Wow. And she had donated previously, but we couldn't we couldn't find out any information about her previous, you know, what had happened and how many mm. eggs she got and all of that. Mm. It was all very confidential. So we, we met with her. That was part of the, the process. Um, and um, while we did that, we did another round of IVF while we waited. And we didn't get any embryos from that. So that was a real kick in the guts. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so then... We, we met with um, with our big donor and she was lovely and we clicked and we just were like, let's just do it. So um, then we just had to wait. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting for, you know, for her to start her cycle so she could start her the process. And yeah, yeah it is, it's like you're just really hoping and waiting for those phone calls. So yeah. um, in the end, we... Um, that all happened and we, I can't remember now when that was, um, it was Waitangi weekend, I think. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a public holiday anyway, I remember that. And um, we got 10 eggs. Wow. And from those 10 eggs, we got four embryos. Wow. So we were really like, we were like, okay, well, that's cool because that gives us something to play with. If, if yeah. these transfers don't work, then we've got money in the bank. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and then we went and did the transfer and it worked. So the first time? The first time. Wow. So we don't know whether it was the young eggs yeah. that helped us or whether it was the timing of the transfer. And we'll never yeah. know. So, yeah. so we're just sort of like, oh, well, it, it, it was what it was. And um, I we decided to have a private obstetrician um, who was part of Fertility Associates. And um, she had done a follicle scan of mine during the IVF process and she was really lovely and she had a really good bedside manner so we decided to use that clinic and yeah. um, go private um, I was you know because of my age there were the risks that I was a, a you know what do they call it a geriatric, a geriatric pregnancy <laughs> yeah so I was 43 at the time and um and we had decided that we would have an elective C-section as well. Right. Um, there were a couple of reasons around that. But when I met with um, our specialist and she did say to me that I have a very high chance of it resulting in an emergency C-section anyway. As you get older, your body doesn't produce as good a hormones to to labour in a, in a nice manner. Yeah. <laughs> such a thing. Um, and... Yeah, and I just felt quite good about that. Had they so discussed, like, the the um, possibility of prematurity? No, there was nothing like that. Um, we did the NIPS tests at 10 weeks, and that all came back fine. We knew that he was um, quite healthy and he was moving. Um, I, had a, I had quite a big fear about stillbirth. Um, right. I'm not sure where that fear came from, um, but I just was worried about that um, yeah. and so um, that's the other great thing about going private is that you get a lot of extra scans and if you yeah. feel like you're um, you know concerned or anything you can just go straight into the clinic and they'll scan yeah. you so it's yeah. just having an extra peace of mind yeah um, well you've been through so much to get pregnant right like yeah <laughs> yeah it was a journey in itself a baby at the end yeah a healthy, yeah healthy baby. Yeah. And um, yeah, so everything was fine. I didn't even get high blood pressure. I passed the gestational diabetes thing, um, did all of that. And then we had a friend who was due at the same time. They actually, when we rang them to tell them that I was pregnant, they said that they were pregnant. Oh, um, cool. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and she had had really high blood pressure throughout her pregnancy. And she had, I think she wanted to have a home birth, but they had said that was off the cards. Yeah. Um, and so she had been in hospital for a couple of weeks. Um, we were both at 34 weeks at this stage. And um, 
yeah so she was in hospital being monitored basically and I think she'd gone to see her obstetrician and they'd basically said to her you can't go home you need to go straight to hospital yeah um and so I kind of knew that she was um I knew about high-risk pregnancies um and yeah so on the uh, I was bang on 34 weeks on the Friday um why is it always a weekend (laughs) it's always on the weekend I know and it was funny because Rowan um, is uh, into mountain biking and so he'd gone to Wanaka for the weekend Oh God. Um, because, um, you know, it's like one of his last sort of chances to go away. His last time. hurrah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, the week before, on the on the Wednesday, we had um, had our maternity shoot with um, a good friend of ours. Um, so she'd taken some really lovely photos. We had our final antenatal class on the Thursday and then he went away on the Friday and I'd had my baby shower the weekend before. <laughs> I hadn't even finished work. I still had a couple of weeks of work left to go. Yeah, yeah. And like, we were just kind of like wrapping everything up and um, I, on the Friday night, I had hung the final sort of curtains in the, what would be Remy's nursery and um, took myself off to bed everything was fine and then I woke up at about three o'clock and I was like oh I've I've wet myself and then I was like oh he took my knickers off and I gave him a whiff because I was like that's not that's not your yeah yeah well that's what they tell you to do right because it's um amniotic fluid supposedly smells like straw Oh, I can't really remember what it smelled like, but it wasn't much. And I was just sort yeah. of like, mm, okay. So I put some fresh undies on, got back into bed, and then I felt even more cut. And I was like, yeah. okay, this isn't ideal. <laughs> and I felt quite calm, actually. So I rang um, my midwife um, and I got her, um, her um, backup, who I was yeah. due to meet the following week. Um, Always the way. Said, so it was around four o'clock at this stage and so I she said oh look just sit tight um I'll meet you at um Christchurch Women's at 8 30 um she said if anything changes or there's blood or a meconium in your in your um fluid then call me straight back right and she said try and get you know go back to sleep <laughs> go back to sleep I got up it's a bit strange if you're 34 now. weeks that she yeah. doesn't tell you to go straight to the hospital yeah, because she asked me if I was feeling any tightening, and I'm like, well, I don't know, what is the tightening? Yeah, <laughs> I've never yeah. Done this yeah. Um, I don't think she was too concerned because it wasn't like gushing; it was just like I just went through, and then I had put in like a, I think I put like a pad in or something, yeah. and it wasn't saturated; it was like I, I was just leaking. Right. And um, so she wasn't concerned at that stage. And so I, I didn't go, yeah, I didn't go back to sleep. And my sister lives around the corner from me. So she knew that she was on call and I knew that she would be awake around six o'clock. So I texted her and said, um, hey, can you take me to the hospital? And I tried Rowan a couple of times and he he didn't wake up. <laughs> I finally so classic. <laughs> I mean, he slept through the September earthquake. So. Oh my God. <laughs> so nothing was so, going to wake him up. No, nothing was going to work. And I, and I knew that, but I, I was okay. And then I, and it was funny because he'd been at me for right from when I was about 20 weeks to pack my, my bag, my hospital bag. And I was like, no, yeah. no, he won't, I don't need to pack it, but it was packed anyway. Yeah. It was all packed already, basically. And um, so, yeah, so my, I finally spoke to Ron about seven o'clock and he, I said, he said, do you want me to come home? And I said, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the hospital and we'll see, see what they say. Mm. And so my sister turned up at quarter to eight and she was, she was panicking. She was really <laughs> panicking. And I was like, she's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I'm not usually a calm person. I'm quite an anxious That's person. the adrenaline, I think. I just yeah, kicks in. Just, yeah, I felt quite calm. So we um, made our way into Crochet Hospital. We live um, about... We live in Rolleston, so we're sort of about 20, 30 minutes out of the city. Um, and my sister said, do you want me to come in with you? And because it was COVID, I didn't know. So I, I texted my wife and I said, what's the deal? And she said, look, if your sister comes in and things progress and Rowan comes back, they won't be able to switch out. Right. So um, 
so I sent my so my sister dropped me off and just, I sent her to she went to a coffee shop and I said I'll call you if I you know need you or anything and actually I was actually okay by myself yeah. um and so I went into they put me in those induction induction rooms and anyone who has been to Christchurch Women's Hospital will know that they are windowless rooms that's in like yeah. a hexagon kind of shaped area and um the, um, the midwife turned up, Mary, and she said, oh, you're probably going to have this baby in the next 12 to 24 hours. And I was like, okay, radio. She said, so you will want to get your partner to come back. Yeah. <laughs> so she um, checked me um, and she thought everything looked okay. And and I said to her, look, I have booked um, we're doing an elective C-section and I would still like to do that. And she said, oh, we'll just see what happens. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> um, that's, yeah. Um, and as it turns out, um, the our obstetrician's clinic, one of the other obstetricians was on call. So she came in to see me, which was a great relief. And the first thing I said to her was, yeah. can I still have a C-section? She's like, yeah. yeah, of course. So she checked me and she said, look, your, um, your cervix is sharp. You're not contracting. I think what we'll do is we'll give you a scan, we'll, we'll admit you, and we'll just monitor you over the next over the weekend. And I was like, okay, cool. And at this stage, Rowan was um, getting on the road. Yeah. Um, and I got up to the ward, and I basically I stayed there for two nights, and I was just monitored. I keep leaking yeah. fluid, but they keep making fluid, which I didn't yeah. realize. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at this stage, our friends. Um, they had been told that they would need to have a c-section on the monday to deliver their baby and so they were kind of a few days ahead of us and i was like oh yeah. well, it looks like we might be both having <laughs> yeah yeah see you in the uh, yeah um <laughs> but they were up north so they weren't here in christchurch but they um yeah so it was it was quite interesting so on the monday morning i um i went and had a scan um and the sonographer had said like he's a good size he's about five and a half pounds um and it looks he looks fine and he's got this is fluid around him but it's yeah. not a lot um so the decision was made that they would discharge me that day um and go home with outpatient monitoring mm-hmm. um and for me I, I couldn't wait to get home um, I think Rowan was concerned that I, I was going to end up getting concerned about what was happening and, and whether yeah. something would happen to Remy. But he yeah. was really active and he was moving heaps. So for me, that peace of mind really um, helped me. And um, you weren't and having it, any contractions or anything? No, I wasn't having any contractions. I wasn't contracting. Oh, and I'd also had, um, as soon as the midwife got me into the hospital on that Saturday morning, I had my first steroid injection. And then I right. had another one. I think you have two within a certain time frame. So I had yeah. those on board already. Um, and so our friends had had their baby, um, and he was quite, he was about four and a half pounds and he was on a, he was on a CPAP. I don't think that they'd held him. So I was kind of aware of that, you know, if Remy came, that that might be what would happen. So that was kind yeah. of all I kind of knew about the, um, NICU. And also I sort of knew a little bit about it. I follow, um, Anna Romano on Instagram and I know that her babies have spent time in the country sort of talked about it a little bit um yeah I sort of vaguely knew but I didn't know the ins and outs of it sort of yeah thing. yeah um and then on the Tuesday I worked from home and Remy was super active I, he was kicking me I was it was I was really uncomfortable um but we just carried on um and then on the Wednesday morning um Rowan left for work at about 7 30 kissed me goodbye and I got yeah. up to go to the toilet and I was bleeding oh no so I rang <laughs> he was still in the driveway so I rang him and I said oh I'm bleeding you know you turn around and come back <laughs> yeah so he um so he was like can I have a look so he was like pulling my <laughs> down um and so we rang the midwife rang, and got my midwife um who I'd actually spoken to over the weekend um and she said to me look again just sit tight if there's um if anything progresses like if you you know start to really feel uncomfortable or um 
if there's any, you know, if you have any brown discharge, then call me straight back. She said it, and I'll just touch base with you soon. I thought, like, yeah. okay, cool. So I, Rowan went to work. I got up and had a shower and ate my breakfast and stuff. And then she called me back and she said, look, I've just spoken to Ange, our obstetrician. And she said, just go into her room. You don't need an appointment. Just get, just go and get checked rather than yeah. going to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And she said, just take your time, just wander in. Um, so I rang Rowan back and we got there around 10 o'clock. And by this stage, I was actually getting really, really uncomfortable. And oh. Remy was really kicking me. Unbeknown to me, I was actually in labor. Yeah. Um, and so we waited about half an hour in our obstetrician's rooms. And she, once I got in to see her, and she like put her hands on my tummy and she's like, you're in labor. <laughs> and I just lost it and I was like oh my god she's like let's go and have a baby today oh my <laughs> god and she said look you know it's not ideal but um he's probably better out than in um, yeah. just due to infection and I think yeah. she possibly knew my fear about yeah. things turning to custard um yeah. and so she had said look we'll just meet you there and she said when did you last eat and I said oh about eight o'clock she's like oh we might not be able to do it till about seven o'clock tonight she said I'm gonna ring ahead now and get you get us on the list like yeah. put you down as an emergency even though I wasn't an emergency so to speak yeah yeah um and yeah so off we went and I rang my sister and I rang my boss and said <laughs> I'm not going to work. <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm going to go have a baby. Park. Yeah, well, Rowan went and parked the car. Um, and so, yeah, and then just they, um, we went up to the delivery um, suite rooms um, at Christchurch Women's and, you know, the, um, the hospital midwife came in and then my midwife turned up and um, I texted her because I was really thirsty on the way to the hospital and I said can I have a sip of water and she said no <laughs> I was like I'm not even a sip I think because she knew that I'd probably have to have some sort of pre-med thing at, uh, yeah. um, before this section and um, so I had read up a bit on c-section so I kind of knew what I was in for I've watched lots of births and <laughs> I'm really into that kind of thing yeah, yeah. so um, yeah so the anaesthetist came in and talked through everything um, and then I it was like sort of quarter to two and I they were like right we're gonna go down there and I was like oh, hang on a second you know like I just you told me it was gonna be seven o'clock are you sure I'll run to get changed into a scrub I was like what is it you're keen like <laughs> you don't want her walking around the hospital and those um and yeah and so I walked down to the operating theater and walked in and there were three theater nurses there and um and my obstetrician had arrived and she, she'd come into the um, delivery room to see me at that stage too. And um, and at that point, unbeknown to me, there was talk about flying us to Dunedin because they were at capacity at Christchurch Women's, which I'm glad they yeah. didn't alert me to that. I yeah. think I might have said to Rowan about that. Um, and so I I didn't I wasn't really thinking about what, what was going to happen next. Um, yeah, so I walked into the room and hopped up on the bed and Rowan was waiting in the room next door while they did the, um, what's it called, the spinal? Yeah. And um, when they were putting the spinal in, my midwife held on to me. Um, and then as the spinal started to kick in, I got the giggles and I was just laughing hysterically. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do laugh when I'm nervous. So maybe I do too. I always get the nervous, nervous giggles. And then they just is like, I've never had a response like that before. And anyway, and then you just, your legs, it's such a weird feeling. It's so weird. It's um, like your legs, your legs feel stupid. <laughs> like yeah, you're I looking thought, at them and you're like, yeah, why can't yeah. <laughs> So weird. And apparently um, then the room started to fill up, but I wasn't really aware of a lot of people in the room. Um, yeah. and Rowan was next to me, but I didn't, I wasn't sort of aware that he was there. And my midwife had my phone and, um, she said, um, 
she had said that they were starting. But prior to that, my obstetrician had made that call because we we'd done a sort of a little bit of a brief birth plan about two weeks prior to that. And I had said that I wanted to do delayed cord clamping and skin to skin. So I just thought yeah. because of the situation that all of that was ruled out and she made a call that that's what we would do. So I was oh. really, I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I think she was just doing that but if, thing, if the situation wasn't good, then that wouldn't have been happening. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't sure, really. I'm thinking about our friend and how their little boy was on, um, you know, the CPAC and stuff. And so that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Um, and in the end, they started and he was out by two o'clock. I think he was born. And yeah. um, and he was fine. He was, yeah, we've got some great footage of <laughs> going out. And, um, yeah, he didn't need any help with breathing. Um, and I got to have skin to skin with him. So oh. that was really good. So they took him over to the um, to the table and didn't need any resuscitation or anything. He scored 9 out of 10 on his APGAR and then 10 out of 10 within the, is it a minute or five minutes? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah he, he scored fine on that. So, wow. Um, I'm kind of old school so that's kind of how I think of a healthy baby is yeah <laughs> yeah um and well I know my my twins I think one of their APGARs at birth was three and then it was oh, like seven yeah. so oh, even okay, then it took yeah. a while then, to get up but then Angus yeah. my singleton his first was nine and his second was ten so similar yeah. to Remy but he was a 39 weeker <laughs> yeah so you think in the scheme of things yeah, so I, um, and he was five and a half pounds, bang on. Right. Um, so that was, what's that, like two, almost, I think it's 2.2 kilos, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, so a good size, but obviously gestation wise, I was, so I was 34 plus five at that stage. Right, right. Um, and um, yeah, so he um, got uh, Remy, that's not Remy, Rowan then put, um, him into the incubator and went with the crew up to the NICU uh -huh. um, and I was um, got stitched up and you know like I think back to that c-section and it was really lovely and calm and it was pretty much um, your ideal birth experience right like yeah it was it was yeah and you know you hear so many stories and I'm I'm glad that we did do go go private yeah. And and also for the fact that of the situation that happened and having somebody that just made that decision right then and yeah. there, knowing yeah. what my fears were. were. Yeah. Um and then I was taken to recovery and my um I didn't really sort of think about the fact that Remy wasn't with me. Um I'd had a few surgeries previously, so I kind of knew about the recovery process, but I didn't think about the fact that I just had this baby who yeah, was yeah. not with me. Yeah. Um, and I guess because he, it was our first, he was our first child, we hadn't had that experience of a full term, you yeah. know, just like a normal birth yeah. um, or delivery. So I ended up in, I got stuck in recovery for about five hours. Gosh. Um, I think just because of staffing and, and all of that, but um, we were lucky we got our own room and mm -hmm. Rowan was able to stay with me. So that was good. Um, so finally got up to, oh, and prior to that, my midwife had <clears throat> helped me express right. to get the colostrum. <clears throat> yeah. And, and I did okay with that. I think I got like, you know, I filled up a couple of syringes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rowan yeah. took that up to Remy. And I, I had to sign a document um, prior to him arriving about donor milk that I was having yeah. for him to have donor milk and so I didn't really even think about the breastfeeding thing at that stage yeah yeah um and then yeah we finally Ro Rowan went home and um sorted a few things out so he came back with McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> I had McDonald's as well we got Uber Eats McDonald's <laughs> after yeah, the twins yeah, and this is like about, I don't know, half past 10 at night. Yeah. And he'd already Best been thing to I've ever eaten. <laughs> yeah. He'd already been to Niku, I think, twice, going back and forth. And um, 
so and I had a catheter in, so I had to hop in a wheelchair and he wheeled me up there um, or down there. I can't remember whether it was up or down. And um, <laughs> yeah, and just going into this space. So in Christchurch, they have rooms, the rooms go from one to six. Yeah. And room one is generally um, admission and where the very sick babies are. Yeah. Um, or the very early babies are. And we were straight away put into room six. So I didn't understand the concept about the rooms until a few days later. And um, we were up there um, and got to really hold on to him. Like they, um, one of the nurses helped me um, and did skin to skin. And actually yeah. Remy started to do that boob crawl thing, which yeah. they said that was amazing because most prem babies don't have that capability and so um so we got him latching and then um yeah I don't think we went back to bed until about 2 30 and I didn't sleep <laughs> I couldn't sleep I was just like I was trying to write it all down so I was yeah yeah um and then um yeah and then the next morning we went up together to see him again and i um, I think that sort of, I, was, I didn't know the process about like going in there and you have to wash your hands and, yeah. you know, you can't have your phone, you can't talk on your phone. Like I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Nobody had prepared me or us for that. So when you were, like, when you were an inpatient, no one had come and spoken to you? Like no, no. doctors or anything? No. And I think now when I think about it, that would have been a really good opportunity for somebody to come and tell me what might be happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was funny because I was cleaning out some stuff the other day and I found a book and like one of those bags of goodies that you get when you have a baby and it was yeah. the NICU book and it was all right. about the Christchurch. And I was like, why didn't someone actually give this to me? And it would have made yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then that kind of started our, our, day, our time in NICU. Um, and I also didn't know that I would have to pump. Mm. I was I went back to my room after I had seen Remy that morning, and um, Rowan went home to get some, you know, get some supplies and sort out a few things for work and stuff. And um, a, a midwife came into my room with a with a pump, and I was like, she's like, okay, let me show you how to do this. Like, when I just be feeding my baby, like, yeah, yeah, isn't that like what the process is? And she's like, no, you actually need to you need to pump every three hours. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, I just was not prepared for yeah. that at all. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that was a bit of a shock. And, again, a little bit to do with my age. My body did not produce much at all. I, had, I didn't really have any supply. I'd had surgery on my left breast when I was young. Um. And so they had said to me that I may not be able to breastfeed from that size. And yeah. so we were aware of that. Um, I was getting very minimal. My milk took about seven days to come in. Um, wow. And um, I had seen the lactation consultant on the ward, in the NICU ward. Um, and she suggested that I go on the Dom Pyridone. Yeah. Which I did. Um, and... Yeah, so I ended up taking home a hospital pump, um, the pump that I had at home, because I had plans to express anyway, yeah. um, just so that Rowan could do some feeds. Um, so I had a milk bar pump, but it was nothing compared to the, to the hospital one. Was, was it the blue? Great. Was it the blue one? With like the <laughs> <laid down>. <laughs> Yes, and... You know, so we were, there was probably about, I think at one stage in the room that we were in, there was probably between eight and 11 of us. Yeah. So they were at capacity. It was, it was busy. And um, so, you know, you they just, they just became this process of, um, well, I couldn't drive. So we had to set up a little bit of a roster with my sister and my niece and Rowan um, ferrying me into town <laughs> each day and picking me up and then Rowan um he kept working because there was no point him um stopping work at that stage yeah, yeah. um and yeah so I just started this process of being dropped off every morning getting a um taking um 
the milk in that I had, you know, been up every three hours overnight, um, <clears throat> pumping away and getting next to nothing. I think for about four or five days, I got nothing. And it was mm. so debilitating that, you know, like I'd see these women walk <laughs> these bottles filled to the rim and here I am with one with like yeah. 100 mils in it. Yeah, and, um, I remember I went pain. in one day and I'd said to the nurse, like, oh my God, I, I pumped like 120 mils. She's like, wow, that's so good from each side. I was like, no, in total. And she was like, she was like, oh, <laughs> I was like so proud. I was like, this is the most I've ever gotten. Yeah. No, apparently that's not good. <laughs> and, you know, like you just, that just started the routine. So yeah, going in, pumping, um, doing lots of skin to skin and um, going and taking a break um, because it'd be very easy just to sit there the whole time. And my midwife yeah. and Roland both said to me, make sure you don't sit here all day. Every, well, you have to be there every day, but like, you know, go, go outside and get some fresh air and yeah. get a coffee and do all those things. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what we started to do. And then by um, Remy was, I think it was about day three, um, he got jaundice. Uh, so he had the little sunglasses on yeah. um, and had the, they had the blanket over the um, incubator, but I was yeah. still able to bring him in and out. So that was really right. good. Yeah. Um, and then about day five, they said, oh, you know, we can take all the monitoring off him now. And um, so he just had his, his feeding tube in and his nose. Um, so he was still having donor milk at that time. And then I was kind of topping, topping him up because yeah. <laughs> I wasn't getting enough to, to feed him. And um, yeah, so that's just how that all sort of went. And then um, it got to the point where they um, were doing the rounds and they had said, I think we were about up to week two, they had said that we, that I would need to start to stop the um, the donor milk, right? And I was quite fearful about that because I just knew that I wasn't producing enough for him. Yeah. Um. And is that because they didn't have enough for you? Yeah. Yeah. And they, I guess that's part of their plan is that you know they want you to to replace the donor milk with your own milk to get you yeah. to go home. Yeah. And there wasn't really any other reason. I mean, he was gaining weight. Um. They had said. You know, they don't tell you how long you're going to be in there for. Yeah. Um, they don't give you a, a, you know, say, oh, you know, at 37 weeks you can go home or, mm. like, you know, you can go home next week. It was all very sort of, you just wouldn't know from day to day. Yeah. Um, and COVID had ramped up. And so it was only, you could only have one parent at a time in there. And, of course, I had the milk. So. Yeah. I would go home at night and then Rowan would sometimes go in after work and see him or he would drive in and I'd go sit in the car we weren't even allowed to be on the ward together yeah. um and so that was really hard that we couldn't yeah. be there to you know Rowan couldn't be there to support me um especially with the feeding yeah um yeah and so that was tricky um and then we just yeah kept going and it got up to about two and a half weeks um, and all of a sudden things just really started to change and they used to they have a thing where you can stay in for a couple of nights um, yeah. and um, stay on the ward and um, you can get up during the night to your baby and, and do that and they sort of just do that as a process so that you can have that overnight time but they also do that in the build up to going home Right. So I had managed to block in some time. There were lots of other people that were ahead of me. Um, it was sort of a come first deal. And like, yeah. you know, if there were other people that were more ready to go home, you know, I was quite happy to give up my spot for that. Um, and then they had they had said there's, there's a bed available and if I wanted to stay. So I had booked to stay for two nights. And at that stage, Remy was almost feeding from me exclusively. Yeah. Um, but, um, and we had a bit of frozen milk in the freezer there as well. So they were able to feed him with that. Um, and then they sort of said, well, you can probably go home. And it just sort of was like, oh, okay. okay. And Rowan was like, well, 
uh, when are you coming home? Because I need to, because he was taking two weeks off work. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I don't actually know. Like, yeah. when will we get charged kind of thing? So it just sort of came out of the blue. Um, and the night before he came home um, was the first night that I had him in the room with me by myself, I think. Or maybe it was the second night. And um, I couldn't get him to settle. He was waking up like every hour, basically, and feeding, yeah. feeding, feeding, feeding. Yeah. Um, and I was just thought, oh, maybe is this cluster feeding? Is yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and he'd fall asleep, and then I would try and go to sleep, and then it got to about almost four o'clock in the morning, and I had not slept. And I finally rang the nurse, and I said, he won't do it. We've been like, oh my God, come down here straight away. Yeah. So I wheeled him back down to the to the Miku ward and she it was she was a lovely nurse. I'd never seen her before. Um and she said to me, Oh, he's just hungry. And I just burst into tears. I was like, Oh my god, I'm <laughs> But they don't tell you that. And you know, you struggle no. with low supply and so your instinct is, Oh my mm. god, I don't have enough milk for him. Not this is normal cluster feeding baby behaviour. Yeah, yeah. And so she said to me, um, and the night before, Rowan had given him a bottle of milk just to right. see if he would take a bottle. And I was quite happy with that, um, a bottle of my milk. And um, while I sat in the room, <laughs> I couldn't see him. Um, and um, yeah, so I had some milk in the freezer and this lovely nurse said to me, she said, look, go back to bed. I'm going to give him a bottle of your milk, go and get some sleep and come back at 6.30. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I, I went back to sleep for a few hours. Um, and usually they would just, ch- and I was so worried that that was going to stop us going home that day because yeah. I, just, I really just wanted to go home. I then I suppose like at day. home you weren't going to be doing it on your own either though, were you? Like if you were at home no. in that situation, Rowan would have done that exact thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, so he'd had the feeding tube out at that stage um, for a day, I think, a day or two. And um, and that was so weird because, you know, you before you're allowed to be alone with your own child, you have to watch these videos about yep. not shaking a baby. Um, and, you know, like it was just, it was it was awful and that sense that you you know like I couldn't walk around holding on to him I had to sit down um you know it just it wasn't because but then we didn't know any different because we'd not had a a baby before but when you have a full-term baby you don't have to watch those videos you just leave with your baby yeah exactly so like what's the difference it just yeah and then you know to finally be alone with your own child after well, well it was three weeks for us yeah and I could take my mask off <laughs> like, yes. you know, this is the first time he's probably seeing me without my mask on yeah um it was just such a weird feeling and um I think for me like I really struggled with the fact um that there were people in on the ward who you didn't see very often, who the nurses, you would hear the nurses ringing them saying, when are you coming in to see your baby? You yeah. know, when are you dropping milk off? And I found that, I found that really hard. Yeah. Um, and the fact that these babies, just nobody was there to cuddle them or anything. And yeah. I was like, and Rowan had said to me, you can't worry about those babies. <clears throat> yeah. You need to just worry about that one. Yeah. Um, it's hard really though, right? Because like you're sitting there in this, room and this other baby is crying and all you want to do is go and comfort them yeah you can't. yeah you're not even and supposed to no, look at them no and there's no privacy in terms of mm. you know some of these mums would come in and the nurses would not tell them off that's not the right word but would really say you know where have you been you said you would be here at 12 and it's now five yeah you know like you know you and you just you're trying hard not to listen yeah <laughs> It's, yeah, so I, I struggled with it, especially with the fact that you could only have one parent visiting at a time. Yeah. And I was like, 
you know, some days there would be, I got to know some of the other mums quite well on the ward and we would be the only ones there and then there'd be all these babies without their mums and yet our partners couldn't come in. So, yeah, yeah that, was, that was hard. Um, but in the end, um, the next morning, like by the time I got back down to the ward um, and they had said that usually discharge happens about 9am. So Rowan was waiting at home. <laughs> And we just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And apparently there had been um, a very sick baby overnight in room one and that had taken up a lot of the doctor's time. And I was like, I don't care how long it takes because if yeah. that was my baby, I would be wanting them to work on my baby. I wouldn't yeah. be worried about somebody else that's due to go home. Yeah. Um, and so we eventually got home about four o'clock in the afternoon. And on the way home from the hospital, we stopped at the supermarket and rinsed in a formula. <laughs> <laughs> How good did that feel? Well, my midwife had said to me she'd come in to see me that day and she said, she said, you just, he's hungry. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I can't feed him enough milk. So then, then, you know, we started that process all over again, basically, of feeding him, like me feeding him basically from one side. Um, I was... I can't. I think I'd come off the domperidone at that stage, feeding him from one side and then topping him up with formula. Yeah. Whether it was like thirty mils, you know, we started off on quite small increments, um, and so we just started that process. And eventually, um, and I just kept having issues. Um, some days he would feed really well from me. Yeah. Um, and as it turns out, by the time he was about five months, he had become probably a little bit lazy and I possibly did too um, in terms of trying to get him trying to feed him because it just ended up being such a hard process to get up during the night me breastfeed him then having to make up a bottle mm. getting back to sleep getting back interviewed and then he would wake up again and it was just yeah. that was really hard um, so I did become quite complacent and a bit slack and I had always said, if I can't breastfeed, then I'm not bothered about it because yeah. at the end of the day, it's not about the baby. It's about how the mother feels. 100%. Um, and everyone had said to me, you know, that, you know, if you want to stop, stop. Yeah. But by this stage, I didn't want to stop. I wanted to keep going. I wanted to, I really liked that time. And he just kept refusing me. He was mm. just fussy and... Um, I finally went to a clinic, a free clinic that I found out about here um, locally and saw a really amazing lactation consultant who told me that Remy actually had a tongue tie that should have been dealt with. Months ago. Yeah. yeah. And that probably could have made things easier. Yeah. Um, so I continued, I wanted to give him breast milk until he was six months, well, uh, you know, mixed feed him. So I yeah. pumped three times a day um, and gave him breast milk as well as formula till he was six months. Um, And yeah, that was was probably the hardest part. But I think if somebody had said to me prior to him being born that that's what I needed to do, that I needed to really, you know, about the pumping and stuff, Mm. then I would have been more prepared. Um, Mm. Yeah. So that, I, yeah, I really struggled with that aspect of it. Yeah. I was um, the same. And like I always had said, you know, like if I have to formula feed, I'll formula feed, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely struggled with the whole system of like having to feed and then top up and then pump like triple mm-hmm. feeding, essentially. It just yeah, takes it, up it so much time. And it wasn't yeah. until I was doing it that I realized actually how friggin' hard it is and how draining yeah. I was miserable it was awful yeah yeah it was um and I had gone back I went back on the domperidone as well and that really did help um that helped my supply um but because Remy wasn't feeding from me it wasn't you know that supply and demand wasn't happening yeah, yeah. and um yeah so I was kind of I was yeah I was a little bit sad about that and because you know, we have only planned to have one child. Yeah. So I knew that I wasn't going to get another opportunity to experience yeah. Yeah. a normal delivery and then yeah. have that time. 
Um, it definitely and makes the- a difference when they're full term and not tiny and tired. Angus, my yeah. singleton, he's 14 months and he's still breastfeeding. And it was like the whole experience was just so different. Like different. he's the one that yeah. got to bring in my milk rather than a pump. And we got like those like initial experiences together and it just, yeah, yeah, just not having your baby taken away from you and having them big enough to understand how to feed just, yeah, it makes all the difference. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they give them, um, you know, in NICU, they give them the pacifier to encourage them to suck. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and he, he was fine with that. And that was the other thing is that he dropped his, he dropped a dummy at five months as well so he yeah. sort of I think he had got a little bit slack in himself as well with feeding from yeah. a bottle yeah. um because it, it's no work there's no work for them basically and they figure that out real quick <laughs> yeah yeah I mean he still has two bottles now yeah it's almost 19 months um just prior to you know he go for nap time and, and well, my time. twin my twins still have a bottle of milk after their bath and they're three and a half yeah although yeah, i've got it I'm down not, to I'm like 10 percent milk 90 percent water <laughs> <laughs> oh it's just yeah um so in terms of um experience and yeah i it it was a real eye-opener for me but yeah the i guess the silver lining was um, that I got to recover from my C-section. So by the time I got home, I was fully recovered. Yeah. And had I had I gone full term, Remy would have been quite a decent size. I reckon he would have been about eight and a half, nine pounds. Yeah. Um, I just know that I wouldn't have rested and recuperated because I would yeah. just be like, oh, I see all the stuff that needs to be done around the house or, or what yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that was the good part of it was that I I got to um be quite you know recovered when when we yeah, brought him home. You get to kind of um, take a little bit of a step back, right? And like yeah. actually make yes. sure that you're looking after yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, like being able to be home um together, the three of us, um, was yeah, that was amazing. So yeah, yeah to bring him home and um yeah, to have all of that and yeah to think that we've gone through all of that but I for me I and I said this to Rowan the other day we were talking about pregnancy and you know how I still find it really hard to think that I was actually pregnant two years ago um and you know I think there's a little bit of disconnect there because I didn't get to the end of my pregnancy I didn't get yeah. to have the final days at work yeah. and all these things that you book in to have done like you know yeah. the day spa package your hair done and all of that before so it was just really I don't know it was quite, it's also the, it, the little things that you miss out on with the baby like taking a yeah. um an announcement photo that they don't have a tube in and you know yeah picking picking that going home outfit or that first outfit that, that mm. kind of goes out the window a little bit as well it's just it's all yeah. the little stuff that you don't get that makes it really yeah. hard to come to terms with yeah and no one could see him like you know we no. couldn't have you know my mom and my sister and yeah. everybody couldn't yeah. go and um you know like you would usually after you first get home yeah. and then even yeah. when we did get home people were still a little bit weary about the fact that you know he was prem and because covid was still very much around um you would sort of been home for two weeks before we really had any visitors yeah um, we did go best, out baby. So. we want to do a yeah. show them off yeah but yeah, uh, what was really important um, that we did in those first few weeks was that Rowan really encouraged me to go out by myself. Um, so like I had a dentist appointment. <laughs> so I left him with Remy and then, uh, you know, I went and had a pedicure. Like I didn't go far, but yeah. it was enough to get me out of the house. And to and the fact that he was taking a bottle yeah. um, actually helped that process. And that was good for me too, because it meant that I, I mean, I had no qualms at all about leaving Remy with Rowan like he was more than capable but I, I know that a lot of people kind of you know because of COVID you well you know some people just were too scared to leave the house with their yeah. new baby um and I just I had to get out I had to get out and about and we took him out with him you know I think we went to the pharmacy we put him in the car and we went to the pharmacy and got the prescription and then I got a coffee and then we came home again and that was like our first yeah yeah <laughs> 
you know, when you sit in the back seat of the car with them still kind yeah. of thing, you know. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it sure was a real eye-opener experience. And I wish that I had had something like this podcast yes. <laughs> prior to, to um, you know, not that anybody wants to think that they're going to have a prem baby, but it is worth knowing preparing yourself right yeah yeah i was um, not lucky but my friend had had babies in NICU so i'd kind of been in the NICU environment with her so hers were 36 weekers and my twins were 32 weekers so it was very different but yeah like it wasn't new to me you know like i knew where the nurseries were and i knew like what it looked like and what an incubator and what cpap was yeah (laughs) like i had been exposed to it yeah, and it was just like even like I think about the third day, the nurse said to me, "Do you want to do his tears?" And I was like, "What? Is, what? What is yeah. that?" Yeah, you know, like taking his temperature and do, and I was like, mm, "No one's even shown me how to do all that." No. And she's like, "Oh, okay." And because we, I, I don't think we saw the same nurse twice. Maybe yeah. once or twice I saw the same nurse, but they were in and out. Um, and then you know, saying that there, I had to go and walk through to one of the other rooms. They were all sort of connected um there was a room with all the twins in it and someone in our antenatal group she was in there with her twins they were born about three weeks after Remy um and I had to walk through to find a breast pump and I just remember walking through that room and all these you know monitors going off and seeing these tiny little babies but trying not to look but just trying to be like oh my god like we're actually really lucky that we were in room six and yeah. that we didn't, you know, that we weren't in those other rooms, you know. There was one mum who had been there. Um, there was a cake on the table celebrating six months. And I was oh, my like, God. What? Your baby's six months. How, how prim was your baby? Yeah. But her baby had been born at full term, but she was really, really ill. She had, yeah. I can't remember what the issue was, but she had been coming in every day for six months. And now I just think, what happened to her? Like, yeah. Because you yeah, do it, like you yeah. don't you don't meet these people, but you know you kind of know them, and then you leave. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you don't have anything to do with them, and you're like, well, "What happened? Like, are you okay? Yeah. When did you get to go yeah. home? Yeah. There was a, there was about four of us that all um sort of got talking together in the rooms that we were in, and we all had boys, um, and we all sort of went home within about three or four days of each other, um, so so that was really cool as well. But um, yeah, it was. And you sort of don't know, like, are you allowed to go over and talk to those people? Mm. Or like, I didn't know what what the what the protocol was in there. Like, yeah. I knew I couldn't walk around with him, but like, are you allowed to just go over? Yeah. Someone? Like, well, I, we started you know, doing it because we were this. We were in uh, during the first COVID lockdown, so yeah. we were only allowed in one at a time as well. So like, there was about five of us, I think, that all had um, similar like gestation and due date babies and stuff so we were all just like all right let's just roll my baby over to you so we can have a <laughs> chat and we'll do baths at the same time like it just got to that point where we we're like well no one we have to yeah. find support within That's each exactly. other yeah um yeah and, and even things like um we didn't get to give um Remy a bath either yeah. um because we kind of wanted to do that together. Um, so he didn't have a bath until he came home. Oh, well. So yeah, so all up it was a total of 18 days, which in the grand scheme of things isn't actually that long. Um, you know, when I look at a lot of other people um, and some of the stories that I've listened to already on here as well, um, you know, we're really fortunate in the fact that Remy was healthy and um, progressing well and doing all the things that he should have been doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did they ever have any ideas of why you did go into labour early? He was just no, ready. No, no. He was just ready. And actually, when I went for my six-week checkup, um, my obstetrician, she was really good. She said, look, you know, have you got any questions about anything? Um, and um, about the experience or, or any feedback or anything. And she said I was actually four centimetres dilated. She checked me when, um, I don't know when she checked me, because obviously I, I couldn't feel anything. <laughs> but she had said at that stage, yeah, I was, so I had obviously been in labour for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, 
and so I probably would have just progressed normally um but yeah, yeah no I don't I think I was I may have been under a little bit of stress at the time but um yeah not they're not sure why it happened he just I suppose like that. he didn't need any assistance he didn't have any breathing no. issues he was no. decent size his app guy he was just ready <laughs> yeah yeah he was just like let's go like, ma'am yeah everyone's like you know you've waited so long for him he just couldn't wait to get here yeah. <laughs> he's like it's time to go let's go yeah and because we are such planners and such organizers you know (laughs) Rowan and I he was probably like I'm gonna start to mix this (laughs) these guys are not gonna know what's hit them it's time and that's what it's been like ever since (laughs) he's so unpredictable no he's actually pretty predictable now but you know like he just yeah he just threw us threw us a little bit basically yeah some of the things they come out with, eh? You're just like, why? What goes on in your little head? <laughs> oh, I know. We're sort of at that age now where he's really starting to find his words, and yeah. um, and and you know, he's obviously try- He thinks that we can understand what he's asking for. Yeah, <laughs> he's got no idea. Yeah. Well, the twins <laughs> and are three and a half, and my husband still has no idea what they're saying half the time. Like Luca will be like, we'll say something, and Jordan, my husband, will look at me, and I'm like, oh, he wants. He's saying that he wants you to go over there. Yeah. (laughs) You can translate everything for him. Yeah. 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 So I think, um, yeah, we feel really lucky that, um, you know, he he arrived, he was fine. And, um, you know, after all we went through, um, it was just, yeah, it was just our little miracle that just couldn't wait. Yeah. (laughs) It's just he came at the perfect time they always say yeah. right babies always come on their birthday oh. yeah it's quite random it's quite random and and he wasn't um he was actually due um i think it was the 15th of april which was my nephew's birthday and my nephew had actually passed away when he was 14 he had cancer mm-hmm. um and so when they told me that was my expected um due date you know they write it on an envelope at the um when you go for your seven week scan when you have an IVF pregnancy and yeah. I just remember looking at it going oh my god that date and um and I didn't tell my sister I told her after Remy was born that that was his actual due date um mm. so yeah it had a little bit of significance to it but um yeah so it when was, was his yeah. when was he born so he was born on the 9th of March and his due date was the 15th of April March yeah, is a very yeah. common time, it seems, for prem babies. The twins <laughs> are the 22nd of March. My yeah. cousin's um, little dude was a 33-weeker and he was the 2nd of March. <sighs> a lot of March. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, um, yeah, yeah, he's he's just a cool little dude. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys are all doing so well. And after yeah. everything you went through to get him, and yeah, he's okay. here and he's happy. Yeah, yeah, he's good. And you had quite a positive um, NICO experience as well, like. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't really anything. Um, I didn't have anything. I had one nurse question me. She wasn't Remy's nurse at all, but she did. She was. She was like, she had my file in front of her, and she was like, "Oh, why did you have a C-section?" I was like, "Because oh, yeah. I wanted one." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I had a really bad day. Um, the only bad experience I had was with the security guard. <laughs> oh no, he wasn't with the security. He was the um, you know, they were checking everybody because it was COVID that you had yeah 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 on who you were coming into the hospital, and we had been watching them because you get a little card to say who you are and yeah. where you're going yeah. because you can go in after hours, and um, we'd been watching this guy and he wasn't checking people's cards, and then he pulled me over one night and asked to check my card. Yeah. And I and Rowan said to me on the way out, he's like, oh, you know, one rule for some people, one rule for another. Anyway, the next morning I went in and I just walked right past this other guy and he stopped me and he's like, I want to see your card. And I was like, well, why do you why are you asking me when you just let all those other people go in? And then the guy at the desk was like, don't you have a go? You're COVID a stressful time. And I was like, I ended up and I walked up to the hospital into the next ward in tears. And they were like, oh, if you want to make a complaint. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm just emotional. But it's been know, a day. It was, it was, yeah, that was the only bad experience that that I had. Was that? Good. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't even anything to do with Remy. No, 
wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, it, um, it was quite funny. I've got a box of, like, all of his, um, I just, I kept, kept everything. And yeah. um, he got into that box, actually, yesterday. And it was just so cool, like, looking at all the things. I kept all his little, um, all his little wires. And, yeah. And, um, yeah, just all his bits and pieces. Um the little the little hearts the little fabric yep. hearts that they give you to bring, you know sleep with and take back to the hospital and stuff like that so I've kept all of that for him for when when he's older when, he's, when he's older and if he really cares yeah yeah surely he will I know most kids right they start asking at some point about when they're born yeah yeah and, and you know he, he does have a bit of a story because he you know because of his um where he's come from yeah you know um, I'm not genetically linked to him, so to speak, but you know, we we will always be telling him where his origins came from. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we keep our donor updated as well. We send oh, her cool. photographs and um and I know that she's gone on to donate again, so that's really oh, awesome. Um yeah. yeah, so um yeah, just a, a good gift that we got. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was so lovely to talk to you. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Um, And, yeah, I hope everything keeps going smoothly for you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it will. Keeping up on that. All right. So that was um, Emma's story with Remy. So they obviously went through a lot to get him, um, which is amazing. That's, um, yeah, it's hard to to go through that kind of thing just to have a baby but they got there in the end and they had little Remy and (laughs) he was like I'm gonna keep you guys on your toes from the beginning um but yeah Emma had a super positive experience and everything's going well and yeah I'm, I'm really glad that that they got their baby in the end so thanks so much for listening I hope you guys enjoyed and we will chat again soon bye